0: The other huge highlight for me since I went freelance was when Marianne Hobbs, who is a uh, Radio 6 presenter and a long, long-time idol of mine, I absolutely love her show, she invited me to come and sit with her on a panel about the future of music journalism at, I think it was, the BBC's Introducing Festival. We were just being asked our sort of thoughts and opinions on the state of, music journalism and sort of where it's headed and stuff like that and it was absolutely amazing and just have a have nothing but gratitude and appreciation for Marianne who she's at the pinnacle of her career and she spends so much of her time really tries and goes out of her way to to just help other women in the industry and it's it was just it's one of those moments where You meet an idol and they just go above and beyond your expectations of
1: them. Hello and welcome to Freelance Pod. My name's Sachandrika Chakrapati and I'll be your host. Freelance Pod is all about how the internet has revolutionised work. Each week I'll speak to someone working in a creative field and ask them how their industry has moved from analogue to a digital age or how the internet has invented their job. If you like what we're talking about in the podcast, please do get involved on social. You can find Freelance Pod on Instagram as at Freelance Pod, on Twitter as at Freelance underscore pod underscore. There's a Facebook group called Freelance Pod, and you can also sign up for the newsletter. The URL is in the show notes. Don't forget that the success of this podcast relies on you, the listeners. If you do enjoy it, please do rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, on Apple Podcasts, also known as iTunes. This means that other listeners will find out that this podcast exists and they'll come and join us too. So, this episode's guest is Anna Cogiorado. Anna is a freelance journalist with bylines in the New York Times, The Guardian, Wired, and everywhere else. But she's also someone who fights on behalf of freelancer rights as well. You might have seen the hashtag FairPayForFreelancers going around Twitter a couple of weeks ago. Anna was behind that. She wrote an open letter that got, I think, about a 1,000 signatures from journalists, both freelancer and staff. And she was really addressing it to the media, saying, look, you need to pay freelancers on time and fairly and so on. Just really asking for basic rights. That campaign and the way it was embraced really says something about this moment in time where <sighs> staff jobs in journalism are just not very secure. And in a sense, freelancing feels safer because you have different income streams and you feel a bit more in charge. So with lots of journalists and, and people in other industries moving to freelancing, where are our rights? Can we band together and, and ask for them? That's something that Anna has really done, created a sense of community amongst freelancers. She was one of the first freelancers I met when, uh, when I went freelance last May after redundancy. I've been to sort of networking events and been to amazing panels that she's put on where you can learn how to pitch to editors from the editors themselves. So Anna runs these events under FJ and & Co and um, she'll be running events all this year at the Ace Hotel in Shoreditch. So look out for those events. You can find out about them by subscribing to Anna's newsletter, The Professional Freelancer. I've put links to all of Anna's stuff in the show notes. Anna does mention how she often gets Twitter DMs asking her for advice and she always tries her best to respond to them. It's a real symptom of the fact that lots of people are turned to freelancing because jobs are not secure but freelancing is incredibly unregulated unsupported and in fact when people are made redundant often they're in quite a fragile place and there isn't much support out there so what can we do beyond regulating freelancing can we can we form groups to help each other these are all things we're figuring out and anna is certainly one of the main people doing that so thank goodness that she is It's not all just about freelancing and worrying about freelancing, though. Um, Some of the jobs that Anna has done as a freelancer are things that she could never have done on staff. And so she tells us about one of the best stories she's written, which involves her granddad, and about one of the best panel events she was involved in because her BBC hero got her onto it. Let's see what Anna has to say.
0: So I'm Anna Kodryorado, I'm the founder of fj co which is a platform for freelance journalists and I am also a freelance journalist covering culture and technology. I lost my job and it was very much a case of I went into work on Friday and it was the redundancy was effective immediate, so told not to come back on Monday. And at that point, I had already been thinking about going freelance. Um, I think I felt quite frustrated at that point in my career that I wasn't getting as many opportunities to write features as I wanted to. I'd spent most of my career up until that point in various editing roles and really struggling to do more writing so I was of the opinion that while the worst thing has happened I have no job now so I might as well try and do this thing that I think is so scary which is going freelance and see if I can make it as a freelance writer uh and that was nearly eighteen months ago now and I haven't really looked back since um freelancing has been so much better than i thought it would be i think i had bought into all of the myths and horror stories around how it's really insecure work and um there isn't enough there isn't enough work to go around and it's really difficult and lonely and isolating and all all of these things um and whilst some of those things are true to an extent it's also for me at least has been um been incredibly rewarding and i've had opportunities that i don't think i would have got at this point in my career had i stayed in a staff job on the money side of things i don't think it's so much unstable as just a different way of receiving your paycheck so you don't you don't get paid once a month you you sort of get paid you get paid randomly, which is it is a problem. That part is definitely a problem. Um, but you just have to change the way you manage your money. And then there are movements like my own campaign, the Fair Pay for Freelancers campaign, which is trying to address some of the money issues that are happening at more of the industry level. So yeah, I think that's kind of, that's where my freelancing journey started. And in all of this, the thing that I did... I guess, struggled with a bit was there, there weren't really that many resources out there, particularly for people who had found themselves freelancing as a result of redundancy. So there are various journalists groups out there, but there, is, there isn't really anywhere you can go if you, if you want a crash course on how to, how to start freelancing straight away and how to start freelancing as a result uh, of being forced into it. So I started writing a newsletter, which is called Professional Freelancer, and that's all I was really doing in that newsletter was documenting my own journey as I was navigating the world of freelancing and trying to kind of give my, not necessarily always advice, but at least trying to share what I'd learned along the way in the hopes that it would help other freelancers. Um, I guess I was inadvertently trying to plug the gap that I had found uh, and that grew a really great following um and off the back of that it got me thinking you know there's so much more to be done for the freelance journalist community and to go back to the sort of pay point I mentioned earlier I really wanted to do some kind of campaign around how freelance journalists are paid and the genesis for this idea actually started I guess Um, really not long into me going freelance because I very quickly realized that it really didn't make sense how freelance journalists are paid so typically you get paid on publication which often can mean there's a really big gap between when something is commissioned and the piece actually then going into either into print or up on the website and then off and then on top of that however long the payment terms of that publication is which at best is thirty days, but in some cases it can be as long as sixty plus days. So that was a really big issue, and I also kind of found myself coming up against a lot of quite antiquated payment systems. So publications that were just using, I guess, quite old-fashioned software, or God knows what it was. But um, I was just having all of these struggles, sort of getting getting my invoices processed in a timely fashion, and it, it really seemed to me that it was a it was a Computer says no issue, so it's not so. This you know, it's not something that was coming down to the fault of individual commissioning editors or anything like that. But it was a problem on the just on the almost on the technology side of things. Anyway, so and speaking to lots of other freelancers, I realised that I definitely wasn't the only one who was experiencing these issues. And pretty much all of my freelance journalist friends were telling were telling me very similar things, and they were telling me all sorts of stories about how they were really struggling to get paid as well. So I've been mulling over doing something, um, some kind of campaign to at least try and raise, raise awareness of this issue. And then I think the straw that broke the camel's back for me was at the beginning of this year, we saw it was over 2,000 journalism jobs cut from there were redundancies at BuzzFeed, more redundancies at Vice, and then the pool closed. And when the pool closed, it left dozens of freelancers and staff members with unpaid salaries and unpaid invoices and for me that was what kind of pushed me to finally launch this campaign. I wrote up an open letter to address to media to the media industry basically calling for media companies to pay their freelancers fairer, better, and faster. And in practice, what the letter is asking for, three main points. One, an end to the payment on publication issue that I've mentioned. Secondly, to respect late payment fees. Um, And the last point is to update unfit for purpose payment systems. So none of these things I think are in any way unreasonable. I think these are actually just the basic rights that freelancers should be enjoying anyway but unfortunately, for whatever reason, have been overlooked. Um, And as of this morning, when I last checked, the letter has been signed by over 950 journalists. And interestingly, it's worth pointing out that these aren't just freelance journalists. There are staffers and editors who are signing have signed as well. It's been backed by the British Association of Journalists, the Frontline Freelance Register, the Second Source, and... A cost Alliance um, so it's been getting lots of support which I'm completely blown away by um, and the next phase for me will be to now take this to media organizations and try to engage them in a dialogue about what they would be prepared to kind of do um, and how they would actually how they would how they can pledge to better support their freelancers and so the other thing that I've been working on is in all of this what to me felt sort of the natural next step from the newsletter is to galvanize the existing freelance journalist community and provide them with tools, resources and community support to help them make a sustainable self-employed living. Because like I've said, I I really do think that freelancing for many of today's especially t- digital journalists really is the future and it can be a rewarding and viable career there's just almost i guess a kind of skills gap you know there's not really anywhere to go to learn some of the things that you need to work on your freelance business basically so my aim with FJ&Co is to do more campaigning running an event series at the Ace Hotel in London and all of those, all of the events that I'm planning to run with FJ and co are are very much geared towards providing very practical and helpful tools and um, information, I guess, that freelancers actually can use in their day-to-day work. And these are supposed to be things that you can come away from the event and actually fix a problem that you have as a freelance journalist. And yeah, there are lots of, I do have lots of other plans as well for FJ and co. Um, all around sort of community building and freelancers coming together more basically. But at the moment it is only me um, doing this and I'm just one person who also has deadlines and commissions to, um, to try and meet and make sure that I also get my work done as a, as a journalist myself. So things are going really, really well, but maybe a bit slower than I would like because um, there are just not enough hours in the day to fit this all in, unfortunately. I do often wonder why there is an assumption that self-employment must be I guess almost second a second choice rather than an active decision um and yes I I recognize that obviously for me it technically was a, a second choice because I was made redundant but the one the biggest thing I regret about freelancing is not having done it sooner and I wish I could say that I was the person who was brave enough to have made the leap into it rather than being pushed into it because over the course of me being freelance even within the first year of being freelance I had a front page New York Times byline I had bylines in publications that I've been reading and respecting for years that I never even dreamt I would be able to write for such as the Paris Review and it got to the point in my career, I think, where I just thought, oh, maybe I just might not be good enough to do this kind of stuff. And freelancing sort of gave me back that confidence in many ways. I think, though, that there's a wider conversation around how we define success, how we measure our self-worth and how we feel about job security. Because to me, the big irony is that I feel so much more secure being a freelancer in today's digital media landscape than I ever did in a staff job. I feel able to see things coming a lot further down the line and actually do something about it. Um, and, and also, I guess, as I said, the worst has already happened to me. I lost my job and I came out of it much better. I came out the other end of it in a much better position. So I don't I don't feel as though anything too major could go wrong at this point. Whereas now I look back on my career, I realise that in all of the staff jobs I held, there was pretty much a, a, a constant feeling, even if it was at a very low level, that of looking over your shoulder and wondering, oh, is am I going to be made redundant this week? Um, because that's the reality of digital media at the moment. And the scary thing is, is that it's it's not just print media that's being affected by redundancies; it's also digital media. All of that being said, I think the reason why I feel so positive about being a freelance journalist, freelance writer at the moment is that outside of the traditional media outlets, there are so many places that are looking for content writers. And you can have a really rich and varied career as a freelance writer or, and I mean, I'm, I'm just saying writer, but this is also applicable to other types of content as well. Um, you can have a really rich and varied career freelancing for all sorts of different outlets and companies. So if you look outside of the tabloids and the magazines and the broadsheets, there are so many places that produce online copy that needs writing, have blogs. There's so many opportunities that the disconnect is actually freelancers just not, not knowing where these opportunities are, but the opportunities are very much out there. And that's something that I'm also trying to integrate more into the newsletter. I'm, one of the big aims also with FJ & Co going forward is to try and illuminate a lot of this hidden work. Recently, I've been having companies approach me asking for recommendations for freelance writers. And wherever possible, I've been advertising those opportunities in the newsletter. If it's just a case of recommended one, recommending one writer, I will do that. But I feel really strongly that we need to sort of try to open up all of this hidden work. So one of my big aims with FJ&Co is to try and do more of that and to just try and help freelancers realise that there there is a world of content opportunities out there for them. I think as more freelancers access those opportunities and as more people do talk positively about freelancing, it just will change the conversation around it at that larger level. Because actually for plenty of people, freelancing would really, really suit them. And there are people who want to go freelance, and they just have been too nervous, or they're worried. And actually, some of those fears are unfounded. I definitely don't think that I don't buy into the narrative that freelancing is this magic bullet for work related issues that could just be solved with a conversation with a manager, but for plenty of people, the flexibility of the lifestyle, working from home, setting your own hours all of that really, really suits lots of people. I myself was just, I'm just not built to work in an office. And I just, I prefer this lifestyle. So I think actually, I have had more opportunities to go and do foreign assignments since I've been freelance than I did when I was on staff. So I think my biggest highlight, since going freelance was getting to interview my grandfather for the Paris <laughs> Review. So my grandfather was a set designer for the National Opera in Romania. And all of his career was spent working under the communist regime, which censored the arts, um, well, I mean, censored pretty much everybody. And there was obviously a lot of propaganda. And it was in this climate that he was working in an artistic capacity. So that is an absolutely amazing story. And I got to go out to Romania and uh, sit with him and interview him and write this piece for the Paris Review. Now, that's something I would have never been able to do when I was working on staff somewhere. It's one of those stories which is really unique. I only have one of those stories in me. It's not something that sort of falls into a beat. I'm also not, I'm not a journalist who typically writes personal histories or personal essays or anything like that. So it was very much a one-off thing. And I absolutely loved doing it. And I loved the fact that my job means I can just completely veer off course and do something like that right now. So yeah, I think that's kind of my, that was definitely my biggest freelancing highlight. The other huge highlight for me since I went freelance was when Marianne Hobbs, who is a uh, Radio 6 presenter and a long, long time idol of mine, I absolutely love her show, she invited me to come and sit with her on a panel about the future of music journalism at, I think it was the BBC's Introducing Festival. We were just being asked our sort of thoughts and opinions on the state of music journalism and sort of where it's headed and stuff like that and it was absolutely amazing and just have a have nothing but gratitude and appreciation for Marianne who she's at the pinnacle of her career and she spends so much of her time really tries and goes out of her way to to just help other women in the industry and it's it was just it's one of those moments where you meet an idol and they just go above and beyond your expectations of them so yeah that was a really special moment and also again it's it's that rich and varied freelance life where one minute you're beavering away and filing a piece and the next you're speaking on a speaking on a panel about the future of journalism at the moment, two main sort of events that FJ & Co is hosting. One is a pretty regular meetup for female identifying journalists. So that's going to be happening every other month. And that originally started as something that I hosted with a fellow freelancer called Rosalind Warren. And she's an international reporter. Um, she and I hosted a. We just decided to basically gather all the female freelancers we knew and just have a get together, basically. And we honestly thought that about 10 people would turn up, and we had something like a 100 show up. And um, so FGN Co will continue to host those meetups. And they're specifically for women and female identifying freelancers because. I think that there are specific issues that women face when they are working in the media and also working for themselves. So we really wanted to make that. We just really wanted to carve out that time and space for them to feel comfortable and sort of just connect with each other. Basically, those meetups are really just an excuse for freelancers just to be able to get together. Um, It's sort of that our attempt at a non lame way of doing networking. And it's much more about support and chatting with people rather than anything else. And the aim of it is really just to provide some regular space for people to come together and just meet up, which is really important when you work for yourself because it can obviously get quite lonely. And um, it's for me, I find that it's not just the isolation, it's more. you're just not really sometimes talking to a human another human for long stretches of time so it's just nice to have someone just to chat to and also just say oh you know this thing happened to me and have that shared experience of someone telling you well I've also gone through that and this is how I handled it or just someone just to listen Mm -hmm um just to you know a rant or whatever it might be. Um and then the other events that I'm hosting are panels. So those are themed and they're around very specific issues and I think ones that are particularly pertinent to freelancers working today. And the whole aim of those is for people to be able to ask their questions on whatever the topic might be. So there's one this week that I'm hosting or will have hosted on freelancer finances so that's all around how you how you deal with the money side of things when you're a freelancer and i hope that people will be able to leave leave that panel feeling a lot more comfortable with how they talk about money and how they negotiate their rates and how they enforce late payment fees and all that kind of stuff so the real like day-to-day issues that all of us freelance journalists face i definitely feel a lot of pressure to answer as many of these questions that are coming my way i am also being really overwhelmed with questions i would say that on a daily basis i get at least three dms and um plus emails about this as well um which is kind of one of the other reasons i really wanted to try and do to do the events um because often the questions are on similar themes and so, to my mind, what would be most effective is trying to answer as many of them at the same time as possible. So um, so that is one of the other reasons I want to do the events. I guess I do worry a bit about the well I guess I worry quite a lot about the responsibility that I have because often I get people asking me questions when they're in a moment of panic, and they're either they've just lost their job or, they've just started freelancing and I get quite panicked messages and they, they can be quite hard to deal with. All I can do is is if people are directly asking for a piece of advice, I will give them my take on the situation or how I have dealt with something similar. But very often, actually what I find is a lot of people just really want to be listened to. So I try to do that. So I actually started my newsletter on very in the very first week that I went freelance and I started it because I wanted an anchor project to structure my weeks around because I decided that I was going to start freelancing pretty much straight away I didn't take a gap I went straight from it was a you know got made redundant on the Friday sat at my desk on the Monday and of course when you're in that particular situation You may not necessarily actually have any work to do that first week. You know, the first week is really all about making, sending emails and arranging coffees and meetings and making a list of pictures. So I decided to start writing a newsletter because I wanted to structure my weeks basically around it and always have something that I would have to write. And my very first newsletters were a real kind of mishmash of random things they, they talked a bit about me freelancing, but they also kind of talked about all sorts of other random stuff. And I didn't really have a, I didn't, I definitely didn't have a strategy or a plan with the newsletter. It kind of all happened organically. Um, What ended up happening with it is that I, at some point decided to try and focus it a bit more because after a few months, um, it started becoming something that I felt I had to write rather than I wanted to, and that was exactly not the point. So I sort of had a look at what I was doing, and a very good friend of mine, Tiffany Philippou, who was a brand and communication specialist, but she does also do quite a bit of writing herself on Medium. So she helped me refocus what I was doing with the newsletter, and it was her who suggested, you know, look, the thing that you're so sort of good at is giving advice and you talk so much about freelancing why don't you just focus the newsletter on that so i started doing that and that's when that's when i really noticed a spike in the subscribers and and that's when it really shifted from just my friends and family reading it to people i've never met following and and subscribing and reading reading it i've kind of long been of the opinion that you don't so much build communities as you gather around similar issues and where there is a natural need it sort of brings itself to the surface and I think that's what happened with the newsletter that really it just tapped into the fact that there are lots of people going freelance in journalism and there aren't enough resources for them and so this kind of just addressed it addressed a need that an existing community did already have but also did bring people together as well at the same time so I think that I definitely needed to have done that before doing the events, but it's almost a kind of a chicken and egg thing because I think if you would have said to me on day one of going freelance that 18 months into this, you're going to be a journalist slash event organiser, I wouldn't have believed you because it's not something that I had sort of planned to do. It's just, it's almost a natural and organic evolution, but one that I'm really, really happy with because I didn't realise that this is actually something I feel really passionately about and really want to continue doing and sort of see where it goes.
1: Well, thanks, to Anna, for guesting on this episode. She has such great insight into what it takes to run a freelancing career like a business, which is something I'm still trying to figure out myself. Well, that's it for another episode of Freelance Pod. If you enjoyed what we talked about in this episode, please do get involved on social. You can find Freelance Pod on Instagram as at Freelance Pod. On Twitter is at Freelance underscore pod underscore. There's a Facebook group called Freelance Pod. And you can also sign up for the newsletter. The URL is in the show notes. Don't forget that the success of this podcast relies on you, the listeners. If you do enjoy it, please do rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, also known as iTunes. This means that other listeners will find out that this podcast exists and they'll come and join us too. That's it for now. Speak to you again soon. Goodbye.